What's up, duders? It's FNS Wrestling Podcast. Back with another podcast. That's um, true. Yes. Um, I am hosting this time because I cover Dynamite. And this is my co-host. He's uh, my dad. Hello. I'm here again. Yes. Um, we're doing this because Dynamite chose to go on Saturdays. Right. And you said next week convenient. too? Yes. Okay. So that's super convenient for us because now we get to do a second podcast which we will title episode 65b right so episode 65a i guess you'd call it is was out yesterday right so if you're interested Should it's be. already been posted yes but it's missing aew dynamite which we're gonna tackle right now i yes. guess yes um right. so we will start that now And uh, CM Punk comes out because yes. um, he is on commentary again. It's weird. He seems to be wrestling mainly on Rampage. Yeah, he's like on commentary on Dynamite and wrestling on Rampage. Which kinda. I find to be kind of odd because he does seem... But at the same time, he he's such a draw that maybe that is why he's only wrestling yeah. on Rampage. Cause, they could double him up. Because they want to draw more people to Rampage because people are already... right stuck to dynamite yes like i think um rampage still needs to find that and then the dynamite viewers can't complain that they don't get punk because they right. do but it's just not in match form if you want to right. see him wrestle I also then you find gotta it's come weird back that, so um he wore tights in his first match which is gross then he wore yep. trunks against hobbs then he wore tights again i think against garcia and then in his recent match against Sidal, which was the day before dynamite he wore uh trunks again yeah that was a pretty good match yeah, I just stick to the trunks, man. Just stick to the trunks, CM yeah. Punk. I'm sure he listens to this, so yeah, he probably just didn't know that we didn't like the the tights. Oh, I think I have made it. Clear. You have mentioned it before, yes. Yes. Um. So the, our opening match, though, is Malachi Black versus Dante Martin, which was set up last week. Right, and I kind of forgotten, so I think I'm officially a Dante Martin fan because when I re- noticed realized it was him facing Black, my like out loud, I went yes. So I think that's official that I like Dante yes. Martin. Um, and so I, th- I don't know, I thought this was a competitive and well-worked opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, the notables, I would say, um, we do start off with some holds and counters. Classic. Yes. Uh, springboard shotgun draw quick by Dante Martin. Kind of, he just like kind of backs and jumps off the bottom rope. Like right. he's not standing on the apron or anything. Um, a running back elbow by Black. A springboard dropkick counter powerbomb by Black. Basically catches a move by Dante Martin and into a powerbomb. Yep. And he transitioned to a half crab, but Martin is able to get a rope break. A knee bar by Black after a shin breaker. Uh, Martin escapes. Uh, hits a poison Rana. Really nice. Yeah. Uh, Martin hits a springboard swanton on the outside. He, like, jumped to the top rope from the ground. Yes, which was I was not expecting. Just straight from the mat to the top rope in the middle and then out to the, out to the floor. It was cool. Right. Uh, we get a strike exchange, diving meteora from the middle rope, followed by a roundhouse and a German suplex for two by Black. Awesome sequence. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, an avalanche Turk and Rana by Dante Martin. Uh, double jump sprinkle rune salt by Martin for two. Uh, Blackhawks and a half crab, but he has to release due to rib issues, question mark. Yeah, that was a little bit like all of a sudden, and they were even commentary, right? It was like, I don't know if he got hit with something there or they were trying to give Dante Martin credit for doing something, but it was just him, they I guess. They kind of cut away at least when like, he was selling his ribs, I guess. I don't know. I don't it was think a little... it was anything, but or if, if Dante Martin did something, they definitely didn't catch no, it. No, I, I, and they, I didn't see it, so it was a little bit awkward, I thought. Right. Uh, Black sidesteps a springboard move and is able to hit a black mass to capture the win. Yeah, um... 
So this reminded me a little bit of, I talked about it on 65, the Bobby Fish Moriarty match from Rampage that I quite liked. This one was significantly better, but it was the same kind of uh, style, I guess, where you have Malachi Black throwing all kinds of things at Dante Martin to keep him sort of, try and keep him grounded right and stop him from hitting his fast-paced, high-flying offense. And so that lets the the viewer and the people there on watching on TV as well, we're anticipating Martin's inevitable explosion, right? Because it's coming at some point and you know it is. So um, it's sort of Black trying to stop that, the crowd getting ready for that. And then, of course, it does happen. And I just think Black's offense is so varied and realistic looking. I really like it. And the contrast between his sort of style and then just the speed and athleticism of uh, Dante Martin, I thought it worked really well together. And... The whole sudden midsection selling right near the finish did bother me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what happened there. It seemed a bit awkward to me. It took me out of it a little bit, but not enough. So regardless of that, I think the growth of Dante Martin over the last month or maybe a bit more has been incredible. And I think I'm, it's been kind of since that trios match against him. Um, yeah, it's like his brother really. got hurt and then he's been put in some other opportunities and I think he's looked awesome. Yeah, so. his brother's been out for a while and I think the real surge for him starting that trios match against right. I think it was the Elite. So yeah, I've been enjoying everything he's doing lately, and I thought this was a really good opener. Yeah, um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Martin got in another good showing, and uh, Black looked uh, good again too. I like the targeting of the leg throw. It looks uh, it was pretty smart, and he had some cool moves as did Martin. The stuff towards the end with Black's midsection was confusing, but m- maybe we missed something. Yeah. So I'll cut him some slack. Right. Um, overall, I thought it was a good opener, though. Me too. I enjoyed it. Um, next, we get an interview with Jurassic Express. Um, Jungle Boy mentions how they're pretty banged up, I think, from... What was it, last week? Yes, last week. It was... Yeah, yeah, it was the eight-man tag, right? Right. Right. Um, Omega and Cole interrupt, and the Bucks attack Jurassic Express. And then they... they Omega and the Bucks uh, kind of do a redo of last week. They powerbomb Luchasaurus uh, through a table. While Cole holds Jungle Boy in a camel clutch. Right, because Jumble, Jungle Boy made what I thought was a pretty funny reference, right? That something about being surprised that Luchasaurus could even walk after that devastating power bomb, right? Like joking about it kind of thing, winking almost, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, because they did kind of botch that move, and then that's when the elite show up to prove that they can actually hit it. So I don't, I don't mind. I like Jungle Boy making reference to it there. It's kind of like a wink at the audience. Like, we know he botched that move sort of thing. Um, and yeah, so I had no problem with this segment. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, I liked it. I, unlike when Cole and Omega were arguing with um, uh, Jurassic Express, I heard Kenny slipped in. He was like, they must be desperate if they're giving you TV time, which I thought that was really funny because yeah. it wasn't super easy here, but you could kind of, I, I caught that and that, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and Nick Jackson was really amusing at the end. He's just so freaking They're just so over douchey. the top at this point, right? That yes, they're, they're it, it really was fun. funny though. Yep. Um, next we get the inner circles reunited, even though they never broke up. I guess they're now finally re-acknowledging that they are. It's a, a reminder that yes, we are still a group. I guess. I guess so. Um, Santana says something in Spanish. He says Miami is one of the cities they can count on to bring the same energy two nights in a row because Rampage was the night before. And that crowd has been awesome for both shows. I think. Yeah. Um, Santana uh, says, "Well, he and Ortiz have been handling business, which." Their business with FTR ended a while ago, so I don't know what they have what been What other doing. business they've been handling? Uh, but, yeah, anyways, they said they, or he says they've noticed that the others in their circle have been doing with American Top Team pretty hard not to notice. Dan Lambert Unfortunately, is very that obnoxious. Unfortunately, that is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, then American Top Team interrupt with, but they are coming out with many years dope-ass themes. That is Yeah, you were happy positive. about that. 
Very nice theme. Uh, Lambert asks, this is all the Inner Circle members, or they're, like, bringing guys in from Variety or something? I, I didn't know. catch that. I get it. It's I hard. Know. Honestly, the crowd is so all over him that it's hard to hear some of what he says, right? Because the crowd, this is the game they're playing now where they're basically trying to drown him out with booze, which is which, fine. I mean... Uh, it's a little bit, but I, I, I mean, I, at the same time, I understand. Cause like, I don't know if it's, he's getting the heel heat he, they want him to get, or no, if the fans I, just don't I want him. I doubt that's what it is, if I'm being honest. I like to think that it's because they don't want him, but I don't know, because that's I how I kind of feel. I would also like to think that. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Lambert says, they have brought countless championships to Miami, and they should be cheered. Uh, Jericho introduces Lambert as a fat face, a dip, uh, chart, chart, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I I will say shart. Nice. Um, Jericho has a question for Paige Van Zant, who is a female person that is she in is. that group. Can confirm. Uh, that is all I know. Um, and she was there. She's uh, an MMA fighter. Time. I think she's pretty good. I don't know. I, I think she's at least a husband or the the. Her wife. husband's one of the other ones. Yeah. So there's at least that. I assume she probably wouldn't be there if she wasn't a a person. A fight, fighter. A fighter person. She is. So is she? Yes, she is. Do you actually know that? Yes, she is. Oh. Really? Cool. Yes, she is an MMA fighter. Uh, he asked if she's like in him or something, and then told her and her husband. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why he needed to go that route. It felt really, really like we're Weird. past those times, sort of thing, where you immediately make those kind of comments towards the female and then trying to emasculate her husband. I, it wasn't my favorite thing, but anyways. Yeah. Um. Uh, he says the before them is the reunited inner circle, and there will be no more numbers game unless they bring in more MMA people. Like, yes. This is the inner circle. They could just bring in more like MMA people, and then they're done. Uh, Jericho says they want a 10-man tag match, and men of the year can choose any of the American top team members they want. So are we? they could choose Paige Van Zandt. And yep, it's in they should. <laughs> Let her wail on Jericho. Exactly. Uh, Lambert says they, they would beat down, them down every day if it was up to him, but uh, men of the year have championship plans. I would hope so. Uh, Lambert insults every member of the inner circle. I, I don't remember exactly. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. That is true. Uh, Lambert says they have terms, and he'll announce them next week because he doesn't want to stay in Miami. But I think the match is next week, so I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Yeah, I think he just wanted to insult the city, right? Right. In whatever um, way he could. Sky tells Jericho he has pinned him twice, or he's pinned the goat twice, which I assume is Jericho. Yep. And um, he's now the goat and not Jericho. Uh, Guevara says he doesn't care how many of them uh, it is. He'll beat them right now. And he says they'll see them next week. Yeah. Um, I thought Santana sounded really good. And I, again, have hopes that they get out of Inner Circle. But anyways, I, did, I didn't like Jericho's part. I, I like it, Santana Ortiz better as heels. Jericho seemed like really juvenile and, and just not really... At this time, it didn't seem like a good promo to make. But anyways, Lambert just takes too long to say what he wants to say at this point. And these segments just kind of die for me, waiting for him to get to the point, right? Uh, I find myself just really wanting them to end because something better is going to come after this, guaranteed, right? So I, I think the inner circle as a whole are kind of cold for me. I don't know for anyone else right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't know. They were so much better as heels. Like, I remember Jericho's promos were... Uh, funny like insulting right. to whoever he was like and they were more clever now i just feel like he's like trying he thinks he's clever and then i guess he's just getting that applause from the fans because he's chris jericho and he has the song and everything i'm hoping i would find be fine if they i also disband. found it kind of annoying that the whole faction came up to his theme like yeah i'd be okay if they're done so that 
for me specifically, Sammy and Santana or and Ortiz I were think, free yes, to the do other things. I think, yes, the factions run their course. This faction's literally been around as long as Dynamite has. Right. And I think they run their course, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and it feels like they're just kind of together because they need somebody to go against all these MMA people, so you guys will do right. sort of thing, um, right? So the promo work here was fine. Uh, it just uh, it wasn't bad, but it was just fine. I guess since the feud with the Pinnacles forced to meet its merciful end, this is the Inner Circle's next meaningless and boring dragged-out faction feud. Yep, sure seems um, like Not it. really looking forward to the tag match next week, but that's going to be happening. Yeah, it's nothing I am interested in seeing either, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah. this is a, like a one of the low po- points on what I thought was a pretty good show. Although, I'll probably take this over the Paul White stuff, so... Yeah, I guess so. And Sting. Uh, next, we have the Lucha Bros versus Andrade's tag team... Uh, for the AAA tag titles, which is La Superanas. Translation, the Super Frogs, basically, they are yes. wearing green. Uh, like, I don't know, is it a leotard? Or, like, no. Yeah, I don't know, a bodysuit, uh, whatever like it is. Like a bodysuit, yeah. yeah. Like a tight bodysuit kind of It's kind of like the Conquistadors are back in the day, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, well, yeah, that's actually, that works. Thanks. And, um, so, yeah, I thought this was a solid TV match with an interesting twist. Right. Um, a lot of holes and counters first. Uh, both... At first, the Super Frogs try to rip the mask off of the Lucha Bros, but it's turned around. And Lucha Bros try to do the same. And eventually, the Super Frogs are unmasked to reveal FTR. And it actually seemed like some of the crowd, right, was honestly surprised by... Because I kind of figured it out just looking at their... I accidentally got spoiled. Their size and just kind of... It kind of made sense, right? So I was pretty sure that's who it was. But some of the crowd seemed to actually be surprised, which is cool if that's what you're going no, for. No, that, that, yeah, that's cool. Um, I think it's a, it's a cool reveal. It's kind of funny. Yep. It, it, it does kind of, I guess they're kind of those kind of guys now because they, um, they did, they were masked last week. Right. When they attacked Darby. Right. And, uh, Penta drop props Phoenix to the top rope from the ramp and they, to hit a double drop kick. So like, um, cause it's, they have the ramp, um, which goes level with the ring, which I really like actually the more that I see them do it. Cause I find, for me, it allows them to do, like, so much more. I remember, like, Phoenix Impact, he would do, like, he would, like, roll from the ring and, like, do a cutter on the ramp or yeah. something. Like, I just find, like, because, like, it, it's it's kind of more ring space because it is level with the right. ring, right? So it just, I really like it. It allows for so much more. So and you I, have the other like three sides to do the normal stuff. Right. And then you have one right. side that creates more options. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so basically, like, Penta standing on the end of the ramp and Phoenix was because they were brawling on the ramp. Um, so he's, like, on the other side. He runs down Penta. Well, he props him over his head. He lands on the top rope pretty well, actually. Yes, and then hits really a double well. drop kick to FTR. Um, then double dives by the Lucha Bros on the opposite side of the ring. See, so, like, yeah, you can do still the n- yep. normal stuff. Um, super kick to Cash by Penta on the outside after a missed belt shot. There are multiple belt shots attempted. There are cheaters. Those yes. FTR cheaters. Cash sends Penta in the timekeeper's table, sort of. Um, Dax gets a handful of tights on a roll-up for two. Uh, Phoenix hits his signature rope rebound heel kick, which I like very much. Tully Blanchard runs down and distracts the ref. And Dax counters a moonsault by Phoenix and hits him in the face with one of the tag titles. And then he hits his, what they call the sheer drop, brain buster. And FTR pick up the win, so they are the new AAA tag team champions, which I... Uh, I find that kind of weird, but it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting and good for them. And uh, this it was on Triple A's Instagram too, so it's official. Yeah, and it kind of just helps to push that idea that these like titles can change hands on any show with this and forbidden door sort of stuff. It's right? pretty huge too, because not only is I don't think FTR has any history in Triple A, but also um, the Lucha Boys have been reigning since like 
2019, so it's been over two and years. And FTR, I assume, will get some crazy heel heat if yeah. they if they travel and defend. I think and defend. that's really cool for Triple X that Me they're too. a good team. Yep. Um, so I really enjoyed this match. It had like a bit of comedy with FTR in disguise that actually worked, right? But and then, in, in the, another funny part is that they didn't even stay hidden for that long. No. And then some incredible action and in, in front of a really hot crowd. Like the Lucha Brothers flew around and did their thing that they always do. And then FTR is the perfect contrast, kind of keeping it simple and kind of smash mouth hard hitting. And then, of course, they have to cheat to win, which for them, I'm totally fine with this. So at this point, I was pretty happy we had two strong matches to start the show because I thought this was fun, too. Yeah, I thought this match was pretty good. I think um, both of these teams are talented. I think there's another teams, level. They other can teams, go to. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. They can have a much better match, perhaps with all these the shenanigans removed. Yes, but they, they still put on a good match despite that. So I think that's testament to their abilities um it was still good for what it was i thought i thought the reveal was kind of funny even though it was it was a little obvious i liked it still they definitely don't have the luchador physique no but, they don't um i still liked it yeah um and the result was pretty surprising too because you wouldn't think that they're winning mexico's tag titles but like yeah it's cool i'm interested to see where it goes and i might even tune in and watch them defend if it's some interesting teams and stuff yeah um, next, we have an interview with Dante Martin and also Leo Rush. I forgot to mention that Leo does Rush all the talking for accompanied him, right? uh, Martin in his match with Black because right. now he's kind of representing affiliated. him or yes, something. There's an affiliation yep. somehow, yes. Uh, Leo Rush says what happened tonight was meant to happen and this is just growing pains. He says to grow, you need to fail. He says Dante failed because of himself and he knows that. If he listens to Rush, everything will be money. And he says, moving forward, they will be teaming together. I, I, so here's why I kind of like this. It's clear now, I think, that Leo Rush is a heel, right? I would say here. And the fact that you're already affiliated with Dante and he lost, but you're saying that's all Dante's fault and he just has to listen to you. So he wasn't listening to you. Do you know? I just like the tone of how he's kind of like, and he knows that, right? Like this kid is so... And it's kind of like he's the veteran who's manipulating dante because he's kind of naive it feels like at this point Which right i and think you, matt hardy already does but i think this yeah better. and you can see where it's going because dante martin's already i think doing enough with his reactions to sort of let us know that eventually he's gonna want to speak for himself and make his own decisions right but in the meantime i kind of like the way leo is doing this just like saying it matter of factly like he screwed up it's his own fault and he knows that right like it couldn't possibly be my fault even though I was there, you know, I so I like this. I'm interested to see where it's going. Yeah. Um, what the? Sorry, my thing scrolled up. Um, okay. so I thought it was a solid promo for Marsh. I think the team could have potential because they are both high flyers. And yeah, I, I, do, I do think uh, Rush is definitely leaning into a heel and more. And I think it's going to be almost reluctant tag team partners because it's going to be when's Dante Martin going to stand or up to this guy? Or will he not? Sort of thing, right? Yeah. We'll I was find thinking out. either... Um, when like Dante will stick this out, and then maybe when Darius returns, right? Um, then he that's when he kind of ditches Leo. Sense. Or this could be a pretty cool high flyer faction, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but it was smart to have Leo speak because I don't think Dante is like quite a strong. No, and I thought his yet. reactions were good. Like he's giving you the hint of you're already kind of maybe not a hundred percent on board with this guy, but you're gonna see what he can do for you. I think. Right. Um. Next, we have an interview with the new AAA Tag Team Champions, FTR. Um, they're in like a stairwell because I think um they're coming up with Andrade obviously because Andrade was the mastermind I guess yes. or, sort of. Yep. Um, Dax says they are the greatest luchadors of all time, which I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, he's As awesome. As they are like MJF comes in, they're just like yelling and celebrating because obviously MJF is MJF, so of course he's gonna be like 
crazy about this. Yep. Um, Andrade pays MGF, I think, for FTR because he kind of rented them for this. That's right. And MGF kind of reminds him it's a one-time thing, but Andrade never, like, kind of clearly answers that. No. So that's kind of, like, I don't know, hinting at something. And do you remember, because I'm thinking right now, when the money changed hands, FTR were already gone. Yeah. So they might not even know. Do you know what I mean? Because in the future, are they going to be annoyed because shouldn't some of that money go to them? Like, who's MJF? He doesn't own them. You know what I mean? Why is he getting money? That's true. So I wonder if that... Because well, AEW yeah, no, does yeah, a Yeah, because good... MJF told them to get out of there because, like, they're, they, the thing was, like, Lucha Bros are probably angry. Because AEW does a good job of coming back to things, like, a couple months later, right? So that's just something I kind of noticed there that I was wondering. I like that... That's true. I like that Andrade is, like, spending his own money to just mess with the death triangle, right? So I kind of... Yeah, I do think that's kind of funny. I kind of like that's a baller move for him, right? He's, like, the final boss, and he's setting up all of these obstacles along the way. So I kind of like this. Yeah, um, I thought it was a fun little segment. I thought both MJF, MJF's excitement and his interaction with Andrade to be amusing because he's, like, half-speaking Spanish. Yes. And, like, I don't know. It was, I thought it was really funny. Me too. Next, we get John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta. Um, a description, uh, squash. Yes. <laughs> uh, notables, which is basically the entire match. Uh, Mox just he comes in the from the crowd, real pissed off. Super angry. Yes. Um, and uh, so he attacks right away. Cross face shots. Uh, X plex, ground and pound forms, and a paradigm shift for the win. Honestly, my first note was Mox super aggressive to start, and basically by the time I had written that, it was pretty much over. Right. Um. So my we talked about this a little bit. So my only criticism is I don't love that it's you to being squashed, but I don't think it really matters. But if you're going to do a squash, this is how you do it, right? The squasher, as I call it, Mox in this case, he looks badass. And that's what you're kind of going for, right? These squashes where nobody really comes out of it looking any different or better or not that meaningful. Like but NXT. Yeah, I thought this was like what it needed to be. He looks super aggressive and focused and he took it out on Yuta. And um, I guess it's the idea that Yuda is young and wasn't ready for a fired up Moxie, right? So I was totally fine with the squash. Other than, I mean, I don't love that it's Yuda, but I don't think it matters. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Well, I don't think that was um, that. I don't love that it was Yuda here. Um, I thought this was kind of cool. I thought it was really amusing how he just came in, kicked Yuda's ass, and left. Right. And I think it um, really uh, made sense because he came up short last week in the ladder match. Exactly. So I think, yeah, I think it works. I mean, I don't. Like, I guess Yuta, like, he hasn't really done anything, so I guess it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't really matter too much. And it's just impressive that Mox, who we've seen a ton, now he's a little bit different. He's found a way again, right, that if this is his new style, it's clearly different even from what he's done before. So it's interesting that he's so versatile, you know? Yes. Uh, next, we get an interview with Serena Deeb. Uh, Deeb says it was only a matter of time before she had to drag the division up to her level when asked about her attitude change. She says she watched as the division got too comfortable during her sabbatical, and then she's interrupted by an attack from Sheeta, and they brawl. Um, I thought this was a really nice little promo from Deeb, and yep. it, uh, it really makes sense from a heel point of view, I think. Yes. Uh, nice heel logic. And I like that this simple idea, right, that Serena Deeb is going to keep denying Sheeta of her 50th win. So I think that's like a really simple way to have these two have multiple matches. You know what I mean? Like clearly we're going to get at least one more. And it's just really simple on a show that's got some more detailed like stories. To maybe be like she keeps cutting off Sheeta from other matches. Like, right. um, like Sheeta will face someone like, um, I don't know, like Penelope Ford. And even though like that's probably a win for Sheeta, here comes Deeb to screw right. her out And Deeb can just for whatever reason be obsessed with not letting Sheeta get her 50th right, win. Right, maybe you know like what I mean? she want like they could pull like a this probably should be me because I'm the best or like right. it, or like you should 
like stop focusing on Sheeta. She lost the title. She should right. be out of the spotlight. Like something like that. So I think it's a really simple way to open up a lot of opportunities for them to have matches and just at least be in interacting with each other. So I yeah. liked it. Uh, next we get the Super Click, which is Adam Cole and the Young Bucks within the Elite uh, versus the Dark Orders, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. And while not our ideal Dark Order trio, it's also not not. Yep, didn't have Colt Cabana. Kind of right it, so. in the middle, right? <laughs> yes. So I I think that's nice. Yeah. Um, if I had to, I'd replace Reynolds with uh Grayson. Grayson, or I would even um go with Grayson and Savuno if we're doing Silver yeah. and Reynolds, because Silver and Reynolds are pretty good. They do have some awesome chemistry. If, and you're, moves. if you're doing four Dark Order members, it's Uno, Grayson, Silver, Reynolds, right. obviously. I agree. Um, next, um, what? I'm sorry, I meant description. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought this was really entertaining. It was an action-packed trios match. Um, notables, um, like while. Dark are posing for the uh at the end of their entrance, like once they're in the ring, uh, they get attacked uh, from behind uh from the super click. Crossbody of the Bucks by Reynolds, a corner barrage to Nick. They all hit corner moves. Even Matt Jackson tries to attack and accidentally hits right Nick in the corner. A double team face buster by uh Reynolds and Silver. A Beal throw to Nick by Silver. Domigiri by Nick. Um, and he takes out or Domigiri by Silver. I meant and he takes everyone out on the outside until a cheap shot by Matt. Jackson as Callus is running away, which I thought was kind of funny because yes. Silver is like very short. He is tiny. Uh, Cole blocks a suicide dive from Reynolds with an Inziguri. Uh, double super kick Patel drop brain buster by the super kick on the outside, that which looks is pretty cool. nice. Yeah. Um, the Bucks hit their signature double hip toss, backflip, double drop kick. Um, corner stomps by Cole after tagging in, then Adam Cole baby. Mm-hmm. Silver attempts to fight them all off in the corner, but Cole has a swinging neckbreaker to regain control. A double suplex by Silver to the box post-commercial break, and Uno tags in and gets a hot tag flurry. Uh, Uno takes a shoe and sock off of Nick's right foot and uses the sock for a mandible claw, mankind homage. Right. Um, but Cole breaks out the super kick. Uh, super kick go for the camel clutch double kiss thing, but Silver and Reynolds... Uh, take out the Bucks and do and double kiss Cole instead, which is pretty funny. And Adam Cole's face, right? Like he's so he's good. a great uh, oh, yeah. expressionist. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Uh, flurry by Silver and Reynolds, the signature flurry of them, and then Uno falls with a move he calls something evil, which I thought one, it was a pretty cool move. It I think cool. I may have seen him hit it before. That whole sequence. And then to that was um, awesome. I also really enjoyed the name. And Reynolds covers Cole as he is legal. Um, but the Bucks break the pin. A wrecking ball dropkick to Uno and Silver by Matt, followed by a topic on Hilo by Nick. Great exchange between Reynolds and Cole towards the end yes. um, until a double super kick and a Panama Sunrise to Reynolds, the Bucks um, coming up the double super kick. Uno and Silver also eat super kicks as they go up to the apron. And then uh, Reynolds takes a BT trigger and a last shot from the super click uh, for the win for the super click. And then post match, Jungle Boy runs out trying to attack the super click, is easy o- easily overwhelmed. Uh, he gets sent to the outside, grabs a chair, and they run off, leaving Cutler to be- get beaten down and <laughs> yeah. put in the snare trap. Right. Uh, I thought this was another, like, super fun match, and the final few minutes of this were insane. I don't personally care about the ref's lack of control, but I know people are. Even JR can't help but complain while the match is on. He just can't stop himself by pointing out that the referee should be counting something, that's <laughs> what he said. Um, I just enjoy watching stuff like this. Um, there was an amazing sequence there near the end by the Dark Order fin- with um, Uno finishing with that move. And then Something Reynolds. Something evil? And as you said, like Reynolds and Cole looked really good together in their little sequence before the end of the match. That pleasantly surprised me. Yeah, it looked really good. So the Bucks and Cole did what they always do, and they're really 
making Cole look strong because he keeps being the one to pin everybody and everything, right? Which is a That's nice good, little nod to him. He still hasn't been there that long, right? So. And like I just say, my notes here, like, go compare this to anything you'll see in WWE Sports Entertainment. Like, I dare you, right? And include the crowd in this as well right and you're not going to find anything that's this fun and maybe for some wwe super fans this is just too ridiculous and there's no control by the ref but it's really a lot of fun to watch for me and that's all i care about so i really like this yeah i thought this was a, a really fun match there was a lot of uh, like just it, there was stuff all over the place um i thought it was a great tv match um everyone got in some good offense um some of my favorites were obviously the sylvan reynolds slurry and the something evil from uno and then the finishing sequence is also great. And I thought uh, Reynolds looked strong, taking a lot of offense as well. Like He did. He looked uh, good. He took a buttload of stuff towards the end. Um, I also thought Reynolds looked really good before taking that barrage. And that end stretch from when he and Cole were going back and forth, I thought that was really good. Um, it surprised me. I think Reynolds... I almost feel like they'll just... find a way, if we both noticed it without really talking about it, like they might find a way to give them a singles match somewhere, right? Because I thought they, the chemistry there was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just like a really frenzy back and forth towards them, but it looked great. And I thought the Reynolds and Silver were placing the Bucks um, uh, for to kiss Cole, which I thought was funny. pretty funny. Another comedy spot in Especially a match that Especially because like, he was like doing like the yeah, and then he but he didn't even notice until yes, it was great. It was done, yep. yeah. Um, the result was pretty predictable, but I thought this was a really fun match. Probably my favorite thing so far. Maybe my favorite overall. Nice. It was a fun match for yeah. sure. And next we get a Cody and Arn segment. They're hopping on a Ford truck going to the Nightmare Factory, although I guess maybe it's not the factory anymore because now it's the Rhodes academy because oh, yeah, right. gotta have cody Rhodes' name in there of right? course you do branding um he gets roasted by all the nightmare trainees like lee johnson and uh red velvet and because he's late and stuff and red and, velvet like slaps him which i thought was a bit too far right like she yells at him and then slaps him across the face which no, i was like i mean I, it's I, still I, cody Rhodes, and you're still red velvet i, I would you know? do that too i know but anyways yeah. Uh, we cut to Co- Cody training in the Rhodes Academy with the trainees and getting caught off guard by Brock as Arn shouts instructions. Cody asks what they are doing and he isn't learning anything. Arn says Cody said he wouldn't let the kids down. And he says Malachi Black has it coming because he tells a thing about how he had it coming against Dusty or something. Right, like he admits, like you know, that he would he cut him for thirty stitches or something. He said like that, and I'm okay with it because I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I had it coming. And Malachi Black has it coming, so you need to embrace that. That is like, incorrect. Cody already had it coming. It's like you need to embrace that whatever you need to do to get rid of this guy. You've got to go to the next level of Hey, you need whatever. to embrace your inner star. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, I This had a Lucha Underground feel to it with like the one guy fighting off a whole bunch of other guys in like a dramatic setting. And... I thought Arn did a great job again and told a great story at the end of this. So he kind of saved this segment for me. I thought it was a little bit cheesy leading up to Arn, but I thought he was really good. And I'm liking this story with Cody. So I guess all it took for me to really like a babyface Cody story was for it really to be about someone else, right? Because it's mostly Arn Anderson and I quite like it. So um, I thought this was good as well. Like I'm liking a Cody storyline right now. Yeah, and I'm happy I thought that. this was I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was kind of cool, but I'm disappointed. It seems to be Cody's redemption arc rather it than is. his turn and indulgence into the dark side. I'm still fine segment regardless, and um, I really don't think he can beat Malachi Black without Stardust. And and maybe he never does beat Malachi. Maybe he doesn't get his yeah, win back. But I it really, feels like that's where it's it feels going. like that's where it's going. But I really don't because they do advertise a third match for next week. Right. Um, which I don't love because the whole point of a third match usually for me is that it's a tiebreaker. It should be the when final Cody's one. Cody's got his ass kicked twice already. He has. So it really doesn't warrant a third match too much, especially when the first was like he got Brody lead. 
Yeah, and regardless like of what Cody like... does, he's already lost twice to this guy. So. Right. Right. But, I mean, he, he make it thrice. Could be a good match, too, so that's fine. That's Cody true. comes through in big matches, usually. Yeah. Um. Next, we get what is supposed to be MJF versus Darby Allen, but MJF, of course, is cut in a promo. He tells the crowd sure in is. silence. Um, he's mad that Justin Roberts didn't introduce him, so he does his own introduction while, like, he throws an insult while he's doing that, which I yes. thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he tells Darby to come out, and he says he doesn't think Darby is here, and he thinks he broke Darby mentally because he has no-showed like a coward, and then he, like, he acts as if he has, like, an earpiece. Um, he's, like, he's, like, he's shocked to learn that Darby was attacked last week, and he feels <laughs> yes. horrible, and he had no idea. Because we knew that was coming, I right? thought that was really funny, though. Me too. He says it's it. still unprofessional that Darby didn't show up, and he will always be number two. He says he is number one since he cares about the fans, and they want to see him wrestle Darby Allen. He calls up Wardlow, who has uh bryce remsburg the referee with him he tells the ref to count to 10 if darby doesn't come he'll win via count out lights go out just after nine and who is it oh wait it's sting crap of course um yay it's sting which is so much better than darby allen i am very happy about this mj flees as sting hits wardlow with the bat and then mj fakes re-entering the ring and walks off again yeah um i mean mjf is just such a throwback and he can work a crowd like almost nobody else and the AEW crowd are cooperative, right? They're not going to cheer him even if they like him. They're going to they're gonna boo him because they're supposed to, I think, for the most part. And honestly, I got to give credit to Tony Schiavone because he gets so upset at MJF. as like It's believable, and I think it really adds to it because he just hates MJF, and he can't keep being Well, he kind of ob- represents us in that way. And he can't help. Represents he's supposed fans. to be objective, right? Commentary, and he just can't help himself because this guy's such a scumbag, and I think that adds to everything. That definitely bolsters MJF, right? Because he's pretty much always impartial, like, as long as he can be. But this guy's just such a dirtbag. And so MJF, through this, he shifts from, like, furious and yelling at fans to being sarcastic and funny in, like, an instant. I mean, to nitpick this, it probably could have been a little bit shorter. But, I mean, MJF's an amazing performer, so I say give him room. I thought this was also a good use of Sting. He took out one man with a bat, and he didn't talk, and he didn't linger, right? So, though... It's not like he came out and fought off six men in their prime. He hit a guy with a bat. Or three so men from I thought this Taz. was I thought this was good. Um, solid promo from Jeff. I thought it was great work as always. I don't like him being afraid of Sting, but I guess it oh, does it... work better for him than oh, most yeah. people. He has Jeff is afraid of anyone, but I don't think anyone should be afraid of Sting. He's old, just like. But he has a bat, and kick, MJF's MJF, so he's gonna run away. Kick him in the leg, and he's dead. Sure. Uh, hopefully we still end up getting MJF for Darby, because that should be good. Yeah. Um, next, we get an interview with Anna J of the Dark Order. Britt Baker interrupts, and she says the super kick be Anna's loser friends. Um, she says uh, Anna is a loser, too, and she's just followed brawl erupts, and the referees are immediately there. Yeah, there was like was, six of them there. Right, and this is not the case with Devin uh, Sheeta, which was essentially the same thing. So. Yep, I, I thought Britt was funny here because she was at one point like, technically they lost the last match they had, so they're losers, right? Um. I don't know, just her confidence and her attitude entertains me every time she is on the screen, pretty much. So the refs being there was a little bit ridiculous. Um, But I think it feels like maybe this is bringing up a couple placeholder challengers, as we call them, for Brit on her way to whoever's next, right? You could kind of have her take on Anna Jay and Tay Conti before whatever's next for her sort of thing. Yeah, um, I thought Baker had some good lines here. And I think, like, um, the way that she's, like, really talking about the super click and she said, baby, I think she'd be kind of cool as a member of the elite, like a female member of the elite. She would, Because they sure. do not have any female ranks As long yet. as everybody stays heel, right? Right. Because Brit can't go face, I don't think. No, um, and, and 
Um, cause well, she's cool and she has already that link to Adam Cole. And there was a reference for the first and, time, right? right? So. And Anna Jay's already in the Dark Order, so that could add another layer to a potential elite uh, versus Dark Order series, which I would like to see, other than Doc Ellis. Or even they could, if they don't want to make her full elite, she could have like a temporary alliance for a match or, or like, something, right? She's like at least around, or like yeah. that's backup sometimes, yeah. or. And then like, or and then you could have like elite affiliated, maybe her and Hater versus Hater. I forgot about uh, it. J and or TJ. Yep. I guess. TJ. Yes. They can use their matching outfits again. <laughs> <laughs> Still remember that? Uh, like I've never but, seen them wrestle a tag team match. They're not a tag team. They have full match. Pretty outfits. sure they've wrestled. Before. I guess they have. Maybe maybe on internet matches that I don't watch. Probably. Probably. That that sounds right. That sounds right. It does. Uh, next we have Kira Hogan versus Penelope Ford. Low contain, point alert. Contain your excitement, y'all. Low point y'all. alert. I'm pretty sure that's just you containing your excitement. I am. I'm, well, I mean, I had hopes. I like Kira Hogan a lot. Yes. And I think Pen- uh, Penelope almost called her because we just call her Penelope, right? Or Penelope. Penelope. I think Penelope's okay. I don't think she's great, but... Yeah, she's just Kip Sabian's sidekick, you know? So. Yes, good old Kip Sabian. Yes. Uh, hopefully he's back soon. Um, so I thought this was a fine women's division match with a couple of sloppy bits. There was this really bad arm drag by Ford at the beginning after some back and forth. Quote, unquote, JR. <laughs> Penelope couldn't figure out what she wanted to do with that arm. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, I told you it was kind of funny because I keep writing whatever move by Hogan. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. And Punk made a reference, right? He said, <laughs> do you think there's a relation or no relation or something like that? And they didn't really want to acknowledge what he was really talking about. So That's it was funny. pretty funny, though. Yeah. Uh, corner clothesline by Hogan. Uh, Hogan avoids a corner boot from Ford and hits a neckbreaker for two. Bulldog in the middle, turnbuckle by Ford, which is kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, um, that was cool. A, a pretty nice superplex by Hogan. Clothesline in the back elbow by Hogan. A shotgun dropkick and a basement dropkick in the corner for two by Hogan. Not a bad sequence. Uh, jumping center by Ford and a handspring cutter. And she taps Hogan out with that Muda lock, which is basically like she traps with the legs um, yeah. like behind her leg, bends back into the kind of a last chancery kind of thing. And then Ruby Soho uh, attacks Ford because of something that happened on Rampage Brass Knox because Bunny and Ford can't go one week without using Brass Knox on somebody. Of course. Uh, this match for sure had a couple issues along the way. Some moves weren't clean and then some, like the superplex, it looked good, but it took longer than it should to set up, right? Like Hogan was stepping on Ford's hands as she was... Anyways, there was just... I thought the second half was better. Hogan finally got to showcase some of her ability. Like, I really like her when she runs around the perimeter and hits that that low kick um, in the corner. It looks really good. I don't think this match was very good, unfortunately. There were some cool-looking things along the way, but some sloppiness along there, too. So I really like Hogan, but a match like this is not going to help her get noticed in the right way. And man, Bunny and Penelope Ford, eh? they are mid-card, mid-card fodder for upper-card talent, and it seems like... It gets them on TV all the time, so it's not a bad spot to have, probably, right? Uh, yeah. The crowd, I thought, tried to get into this, but they kind of struggled as I well. I don't love Ford and Bunny just because, like, they're not the best in the ring. They're not really doing anything. There's literally no reason for them to exist because there's no tag Right, titles. they're not going to be able to elevate Hogan if you're trying to, like... I well, guess they're not really trying to showcase her, though. They it doesn't look like... What I mean is, like, they can't accomplish anything as a team, no. uh, Ford and funny because there's nothing to they get on tv every week yes right when a lot of women do not so yes um 
This match was fine, but it had some sloppy parts, and overall wasn't the best. Uh, there were a couple of spots that were good, uh, but overall I didn't love this, and that math wasn't super important either. No. I feel like they could replace one of the dark shows with um, a women's YouTube show. And Ruby, Ruby Ride and Street Clothes threw me off, too, like ripped jeans and a white tank top. I don't know. just seems strange. She's yeah. usually... I feel like I don't think we need dark elevation. I think because what you could do with dark is like you have like a bunch of squash matches and one or two somewhat legitimate matches between maybe low card talent and you replace dark elevation with like a women's show because i feel like they could benefit from that and then they don't have more tv time so that's the ideal place to put it they seem to get just one spot one match a week in the same spot or you switch rampage to a women's show that'd be cool uh that probably wouldn't work because the tbs title is the women's title right? right and i'm pretty sure only dynamite will move to tbs i'm pretty sure i, think, I don't know i think rampage is staying on tnt because i don't think uh they're really fighting for a friday at 10 p.m slot probably not you know what i mean i think that's only why dynamite is moving because they because the of the constant slot shift right for example this exhibit week exhibit a this right. week yes uh and uh that like month where it was on friday yeah we were like that was up crazy late yeah Didn't that like was that. basically the rampage slot essentially it was um so next we get a promo from miro non god's favorite champion god's favorite loser former champion <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it'd be funny if it was god's favorite loser because like he's a loser well he's getting mad at his god here yeah so. Um, he asks if him getting beaten is funny to you, referring to God. Yep. And he can't go home to his wife like this. He asks if this amuses you and asks why he's been forsaken. He um says he is done playing around and his God will make him his champion again. or He will make him his enemy. And he says everyone else will know pain until he is once again God's favorite champion. Uh, what do you think? I kind of like this. He's like after one loss he's really overreacting right and he's basically questioning his faith and willing to forsake his god after one match so i feel like what this does and i could be wrong but it gives him the opportunity to step away from the title scene and just go back to dominating people for a while because i don't think sammy can lose the belt anytime soon and i don't think you can have miro the way he's been presented lose again you know what i mean in this at least lose character. to sammy again or like not without some build-up right so i think this is like allows him to step back and just kill people for a he while could, he could lose to sammy again just like i not agree now. i think he needs to pursue something else and right. maybe so work his way to sammy i feel like that's what's happening here so it didn't have the humor little bit that it usually had but i i still like this i thought yep. it's very on brand for him yeah, um, I really like this. Um, I thought um, it was cool how it addressed his loss to Sammy, but also in, is in line with the Redeemer character. Yep. Um, I think it'll be cool, and um, I don't know, I'm curious to see uh, what he'll do. And I think um, we did we do see the bracket for the Eliminator Tournament at the end, which I'll talk about, but I feel like like guys like him and Cole should have been in the, Eliminator. the tournament. Yeah. But I'll, I will talk about that more when we yep. get to that. Next, we get to hear from Hangman Page, which I was quite looking forward to. In a really sweet cactus shirt. Yes. I liked it. Um, Tony Von Shivani mentions Hangman's ladder match victory and introduces him. Um, he reminds us of Hangman's loss in last year's Eliminator Tournament Finals. He says he's excited for full gear. He says he and his friends left Japan in Ring of Honor, um, and he was excited because he believed in their vision, talking about the start of AEW. And the world changed him rather than them changing the world, because he talks about, um, he said he would become the first AEW champion and... He failed to do so and recounts how much he lost early on and lost his confidence in his friends, but he never lost the fans count chanting cowboy. Yep, thing. he didn't. 
which they say a lot, which is really helpful for me when I'm not al- when we can't actually say that here. Oh, people know what you mean. Yes, but it's really annoying. Cowboy just, crap. Just use crap. That's my nice catch-all word. Cowboy shiitake potato fart. Sure. Yes. Uh, he says that represents everything he's been through, and he goes into specifics, which I did not. He says, last week he finally picked up the phone and won the casino ladder match, and the one thing that has eluded him, which is a shot at the title, I guess. That's kind of true. Yeah. Because he didn't win the tournament. He lost that 10-man tag. That's actually true, because I thought it was kind of confusing. Like, like I, he was talking about the title, but you don't have the title yet. But I guess he hasn't really even been able to get a shot. Have a shot, yeah. He lost the for only other time he had a shot, which was against Jericho, and then he was tagging with omega for basically the rest of the year then lost the tournament and right then, uh, he speaks the truth he does speak the truth yes he says he doesn't know how full gear will end for him but he feels the fans still believe in him he believes too he uh, says he promises to give everything a full gear and he promises to give us cowboy stuff yes um i thought this was really good and promos like this make it feel like they are getting ready to give this guy the ball to let him run with it, right? And it's exactly what we're hoping for, at least on this they podcast. can't not. He sounds natural. He clearly connects with the crowd. He started out a little bit sheepish, right? And then he summarized basically his journey to get here and ended with some really good intensity. So, I mean, a lot of times I think these segments are too long, but this one felt just right for me. I thought it was really good promo by, I think, what is the next champion and face of this company it's for a little while. It's weird to think it's been a while and they've only had three world champions. Yeah, I kind of like the they're not turning it over too fast or keeping people with it too long. It feels like it's been just about right for me. But yeah, I, I think, think Omega. I I want to say he's the longest reigning champion, maybe or uh, not Jericho. No, Moxley was that. Like, yeah, that's true Jer- too. Longer than Jericho, and I I think Omega at least he should be longest reigning champion if he's not because I feel like. His character warrants the longest title yes. run. And he had a million belts and whatnot. Yes, he did. Um, I thought it was a great promo for Hangman, especially considering it's his first since um he first since he uh took a hiatus. I hope we get to see another segment with him next week where he actually like goes against like where Omega and the Elite are actually involved because I think that will be much more enjoyable. Um, but overall, this was a great promo. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah, and we come to our main event, which is Bobbert Fish versus Brian Danielson. Yes. Um, and this was a competitive and very technically sound match between two very similar wrestlers. Um, very technical, yes. Yes. Uh, some some kneeless and a shoulder tackle by Fish, followed by a kick to the back surfboard hold, which is like where like they kind of the legs trapped and they would like he would like pull on the arms and like kind of hold them up above him, but he didn't like apply the hole. He just had the legs trapped, and he does like a leg stomp in that. Uh, does Brian? Fish rams Brian's leg in the ring post, kind of like where, like, you have, like, their crotchular area in front of the post, but in, like, either in other legs are beside the post, and you, like, kind of Slam swing, you yeah. swing one into the leg, into the post, one of those. Corner strikes by Fish. Fish bends Brian's left leg around the middle rope and pulls on it. More forms by Fish beating Brian to the mat in a basement lariat for two. Whoops. Uh... Brian counters a half crab by Fish and tries to get an ankle lock and turns that into like a kind of a leg trap German suplex, which is pretty cool. Uh, Brian rams Fish's leg into the ring post the same way Fish did earlier. Fish catches a kick and hits a nice Saito suplex for two. Very nice elephant lunge falcon arrow by Fish, which I, I really like the more that I see it. It looked awesome. Uh, but Fish immediately transitions into a knee bar off of the kickout, very clean. And so um, 
then he tries to apply, or Brian tries to get an uh, Achilles lock, and he kind of tries to do the same. Yes. So they're holding each other's legs, and the, which they've both been targeting each other's legs, so it, it does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And they're kind of kicking each other while in the hold. And then after Brian gets up, he locks in a heel hook really suddenly and taps out Fish for the win. Yeah, um, it's weird. I have enjoyed Bobby Fish more in AEW than I think in NXT. Just because he was like the Other third. Other than I did like him when they were, he was teaming with O'Reilly. Though. But he was still kind of like he the was, third or yeah, fourth banana, right? Because I group. thought O'Reilly and Strong were even better together. Right. So it's I love the pace of his matches that I'm seeing. It's not exactly, they're not fast, but it's like it feels really measured and that he's like just constantly moving forward and coming at as an opponent, opponent with like a variety of different moves, right? Because he is so diverse in his offense. I thought his heel work was really a lot better than sometimes here. He interacted a lot with the fans on this one, and they were sort of um, getting mad at him, which was great. Danielson almost feels like he's wrestling with a bit more of an edge to him as well. He's like um, kind of shaken off the sports entertainment shackles, right? And now he's just a wrestler, and he's doing what he wants to do, and I think it suits him so much better. And even though I knew Fish had no chance to win this, I thought this was an excellent technical match. It's amazing how much match. better they've been able to present him in like the span of like... Three or four matches. Yes, and this was like... I think it's another feather in their cap. Excellent sure. technical match, but without too many of the holds and counters that I kind of get bogged me down. This like was in the more, pure wrestling. This was more like a mirror match. One guy does one thing to the other, and then it came back, and it was sort of reversed. But a clear heel and babyface dynamic. The finish kind of came out of nowhere, but if the story was how evenly matched these guys are, it kind of makes sense, right? So I thought a really good main event, and I can't, again, I can't believe how much I'm enjoying AEW Bobby Fish, because I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought this was a great main event. Both of them worked the same style here, but they meshed well. Fish has looked much better in AEW in just a few matches than he looked in NXT, especially in his solo runs, because he, he didn't get much time solo, more so towards the end. Right. Which, he, his ring gear is pretty similar, which is kind of funny. Uh, this is just a good pro wrestling match, and the sudden end made sense because of all the heavy leg targeting throughout the match. And to, before we end the show, we do get the reveal of the World Title Eliminator Tournament bracket reveal. So the matches for the first round are going to be t- Dark Wars 10 versus John Moxley. Figure out who's going to win that. I don't know. Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Dustin Rose versus Brian Danielson, which is odd because Dustin Rose has not been in for Strange. a while. Uh, Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston as well. I would say Danielson's my favorite, probably. Yes. Um. So not the most exciting field for me, with only a few options to win. I don't exactly remember the full bracket last year, but I do remember getting Hangman Omega was the finals, obviously. And yes. I remember there was Penta Phoenix, because I'm pretty sure Phoenix won, but got injured, so Penta faced Omega. So there's Penta Omega. So boom, already better. Right. Um. And also lack of potential heel winners makes me slightly skeptical of Hangman winning. Like, yeah, obviously, I was wondering he's most likely going to win. And they can obviously do babyface versus babyface. I'm just saying babyface versus heel obviously works better. Unless this is Mox turning heel as oh, his that, rage cool. is growing, cool. right? I don't know. I would like that. Yep. Um, I think Cole should be in here. I think he'd be good. Or Miro. I think you, I think you definitely have to Andrade. eliminate... Andrade, yes. Um, even Pac yep. can turn heel whenever he needs to. I really think you take out at least Dustin Rhodes because I don't like. I don't see him ever winning anything. I in don't AW. see what he's done to be in it, frankly. Right. Uh, even ten, but I guess he could be a decent fodder for Mox. Yeah. I would even maybe consider taking Lance Archer because he's he's been in a lot of stuff without winning it. Like maybe the, he's the heel that wins this. That's, that's possible that's too. That's true. Yeah. That that's not bad. Or maybe you take out Eddie Kingston, honestly, because yeah, I don't know. I just I think there are some missteps here, but overall, it's it's a fine field. Yep. 
uh, overall thoughts, I guess, um, time? Yeah, you can go. So I really enjoyed this show yet again, especially in ring. So really enjoyed the black Dante Martin opener, the AAA tag title match, the Dark Order super click, and the main event, right? The, the only two other things were the Mox squash match, which I think served its purpose really well, and the Hogan Ford, which was easily the low point in ring. And then the only segment I didn't really care for was probably the Lambert inner circle stuff again. But I thought MJF, Hangman, Cody, and Arn all had strong segments tonight. Miro's story seems to be evolving. Britt Baker was amusing. So I thought that was pretty strong as well. My issues with this show, if there were any, were pretty minor. Overall, I thought it was excellent. And I'm happy to say that I am giving it a full-on A this week. Because oh, I really? enjoyed this pretty much top to bottom. Nice. Um, so I think I thought Black versus Martin was a good opener and another uh, showcase for Martin. Jurassic Express bit was fine. I wasn't super interested in the American Top Team Inner Circle segment, no. but it wasn't terrible. Lucha Bros FTR was good with a surprising result. Uh, Leo Rush cut a good promo in his interview or in the Dante Martin interview thingy. Uh, FTR segment was good with MJF and Andrade. Mox versus Yudo was fast squash, kind of amusing, served his purpose, like you said. Um, I like Deeb's interview. Uh, Trio's match was awesome. My favorite thing on the show, probably. I think I liked it a little better than the main event, actually. Nice. Uh, it was just really fun. It was. Uh, good teams. Like I thought. I remember seeing that. It was advertised, and I was like, yes. It felt like the openers they were giving us forever, remember? Like right. the six-man tags that yeah. were always just super fun. <laughs> right. Uh, the Cody Arn segment was fine. Uh, MJF got another good promo, but I didn't love the involvement in Sting. Baker J interaction was amusing. Ford Hogan was the show's only real misstep in terms of in ring action. For sure, Miro's promo was good. Hangman had a great return promo, um, and the main event was also a great match. Uh, once again, we start and end with a good match. Yes, you like you love to see it's it. Been like a month in a row of that, right? I think. Um, I also like the Eliminator Tournament bracket reveal. Um, good to see that. And Rampage next week looks really good. I've heard we've heard good things about Pack and Andrade. I've I heard amazing things, like possibly tape. best match in quite a while so and I'm pumped. um that the tournament starts on that show as well cool. um, i remember something else uh looked good i think but i don't remember um overall enjoyable show i would probably give an a minus uh nice. just short of your grade right well and think... that is yeah you're doing the sign off yes. so go for it um if you want to contact us fns wrestling at gmail.com that gets yes, you me that is him uh fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast instagram that is me um, you can also comment on our YouTube, like, and subscribe, please. Thanks. Yep. And um, we'll see you next. I'm. I'll be sa- back next Saturday and Sunday next yes. weekend. And he's going to be putting up Ring of Honor most likely tomorrow. Yep, I think so. If not Tuesday, if not Tuesday. Right. Um, and yes, that is everything. All right. Good job, buddy. Goodbye, we'll people. S- goodbye, everybody. Yes. <laughs>